it just seems inevitable at this point. The Marlins need hitting. The Orioles need pitching. At some point, they got to make a deal, right? Well, until they do, we'll continue to have Arm Layton back here on the pod to talk about those mock trades. We're going to talk about some of them today. Coming up on the final episode of 2022 of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, December 30th, 2022. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. Today, we are joined by Arm Layton of Just Baseball Media. Of course, used to be the host of Locked On Marlins as well. He's been on this pod multiple times to talk prospects, to talk Orioles and Marlins. And that's what we're going to do today here on this episode. But first, Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Aram, welcome back in. We're doing Orioles Marlins talk again. They still haven't made that starting pitcher for big league hitter trade. So, let's mock up some more trades today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I it, it's funny if you told me last time we talked about this that. Yeah, I don't even know how many months ago it was that nothing would have happened and that we would still see an avenue to a potentially no-brainer deal. I would have laughed, but here we are, right? Here we are. And for both teams who have had, I would say the Orioles have had a better offseason than the Marlins because the Marlins have done literally nothing. But for both teams that I think, relatively speaking, have been disappointing in their offseasons and what, what expectations were, it's amazing that these two can just get together and salvage this thing. Um and we're kind of just waiting on it to happen. Yeah, we chatted around the trade deadline. We talked about kind of the Pablo Lopez possibilities, and and he has been the number one name thrown out there. And we are at the point in the offseason now where the Orioles signed their kind of number four, number five veteran guy to replace Jordan Lyles. They got Kyle Gibson. I've talked about on this pod how it's not the most exciting signing, but I think he's better than Lyles, so I think they upgraded and – Mike Elias gives out the most money to one free agent that he has and has taken over as GM with $10 million, which is a whole different conversation that that um, is a correct fact about the Orioles at this point. But everyone, I think, figured that even if the O's didn't get an ace, they would get another pitcher that would trend more towards the top of the rotation, whether it was a guy like Chris Bassett or Kodai Senga, who they had interest in both of those guys. And then it seemed like earlier this week, really the last guy that was out there who you could legitimately start on opening day and maybe still feel good about it was Nathan Eovaldi. And he yep. goes to the Rangers who have been piling up the free agent pitching. And so we're kind of at the point where the next best guy who's been connected to the Orioles is Michael Waka. He's probably the best free agent pitcher still out there. And while he would upgrade the Orioles, I don't think the O's are running out to start Michael Waka on opening day. So if they're looking for impact pitching, it's going to have to be a trade this offseason. And everybody, not just us, but everybody turns and looks at the Marlins and says, look at this team that has more than five viable young starting pitchers and has zero bats in their lineup. Look at this Orioles team. They might have more bats than they can put in the lineup, especially with guys in AAA, and they need some pitching. So we're back to the same exact conversation we continue to have. So let's start like this. We talked a lot about Pablo Lopez the last time we talked about this. Yeah. If the Marlins are to trade pitching, is Lopez still that number one candidate because of value plus years left plus ability on the field? Or are there other names sneaking up there? Because I know there's been reports that 
everyone but Sandy could be available. Yeah. So it, it's interesting because, you know, last time we spoke, I, I would not have really thought that the Marlins would trade anybody other than Pablo. But yeah, I think as as they've started to evaluate their options, and also see what, what other teams want and what other teams like, uh, th- there's a level of interest in Trevor Rogers. And uh, it would be selling low to a degree, given, you know, his struggles last year. Uh, but he comes with more control. He has more upside, a little bit less of that. He was a little banged up last year, but I don't think it was anything that was legitimately a red flag that you're you know, really concerned about compared to Pablo Lopez's occasional shoulder issues over the last couple of years. And, um, and, and you just look at a big lefty, you can really get excited about a guy like that, especially given that he just turned 25 and already has a phenomenal season under his belt and uh, showed some of those flashes last year. So I think there's been some teams out there that genuinely prefer Trevor Rogers, which I, I can understand in, in a world where it's all about control. Um, and that's something that I think the Marlins are maybe a little bit more open to considering. Um, it shouldn't be a factor, but the Marlins have mentioned, the front office has mentioned that uh, Pablo Lopez, good friend of Sandy Alcantara, uh, and, and they don't really want to, you know, break that up. And Sandy is the franchise. Like, I'll be clear when it comes to like community events, everything like Sandy is, is the entire franchise. I know people love jazz, but Sandy's the one shaking hands. Sandy's the one that's, that's really doing anything to get this team involved in the community. And then we know what he does on the field. So they really want to keep him happy. And that's not that he doesn't like Trevor Rogers, but I do think that if teams value Rogers a little bit more, they're able to maybe get a little bit more back there and they're able to keep Pablo Lopez, you know, with his friend in Sandy Alcantara there's a chance that we could see Rogers moved instead. I would say the only two guys that would actually floor me would be Sandy and Yuri Perez. I just, I, I don't see the Marlins trading Yuri Perez. They, they see him as a generational talent and, and understandably so. Um, but I, I think anybody else could go. So we're even talking, you know, Edward Cabrera, Braxton Garrett, Jesus Lozardo, if the right deal came, you think they could be moved? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they would prefer to to hold on to Lizardo, uh, given what he showed at the end of last year. He's a hometown kid. But, I mean, if the right offer is there, it's there. I, I genuinely believe with the injury risk of, of Edward and Lizardo, they both have had a little bit of that in the past. I could see teams, if they're giving up a haul, to, to be a little bit more comfortable with Rodgers, even with the struggles last year. But it seems like the Marlins are willing to listen on all of those guys. And, you know, right now, as it stands, I don't even know if Braxton Garrett fits into the rotation. So uh, that's a guy that looked really good last year, really exceeded my expectations. And that's, that's the thing that we talked about before we hit record is like, even if they don't want to make that blockbuster, right. Even if they don't want to make that massive deal, why not a lesser Braxton Garrett for, for, you know, a less notable bat or prospect in this Orioles system that would still help the Marlins immensely. Um, But I think just about anybody could go. I would say of the names that you just mentioned, Edward Cabrera might be the least likely just because Mel Stoudemire Jr. loves him. And that's the Marlins pitching coach who is a magician. And he thinks that Edward has as much upside as anybody in the front office listens to Mel as much as they listen to anybody when it comes to the pitching side of things. So before we kind of jump into specifics on what a deal could look like, I just kind of wanted to finish up with this because there's been some talk, uh, even among people who cover the Marlins that I've seen as well, where they're starting to think like, Maybe other teams don't value the Marlins pitching depth as much as the Marlins do. And maybe the Marlins don't have as much pitching depth as they think. Now, in terms of depth in just bodies who can pitch at the major league level, they have more, you know, sub 26 year old guys 
that have pitched in the big leagues than a lot of other teams have in a starting rotation. But there's been question marks about like, oh, with Max Meyer getting the, the Tommy John and he's a guy you felt like you could have depended on in 2023, potentially, you know, maybe that shortens the depth. And, you know, with with Sixto Sanchez maybe out of the picture, like you don't really know, that shortens the depth. And, and then you look at these other guys and you have a bunch of guys with some injury concerns. You have a Trevor Rogers who did not follow up, you know, his potential rookie of the year campaign. Where do you you kind of fall on that on the team's yeah. like willingness to make the trade versus other teams' willingness to really want some of these guys? I think that's that's an awesome question. I'm actually really glad you asked me that because I was talking about this with a couple of buddies via text last night because I was getting a little bit frustrated with that narrative. I get it, and there's a there's a point in which I agree with it, but then there's also a point in which where you got to roll the dice if you're going to try to make your team better, right? I, I could see how this whole thing falls apart with the rotation, right? Any pitcher can get hurt. The Marlins maybe have a little bit more liability given that Lopez has had shoulder flare-ups. Lazardo, Edward Cabrera has had the flare-ups as well. And then Rogers, you know, if he doesn't regain that form, all of a sudden your only proven guy is Sandy Alcantara, Lopez when he's healthy, and then you're hoping one of the other two youngsters can come back from injury. Like, I get that. I, I definitely understand that. But on the other side of it, you got to roll the dice, right? And if all of these guys are healthy, this could be one of the better rotations in baseball. And again, Braxton Garrett, what he did last year for, I think, more than a small cameo of starts really showed that he could be a back end of the rotation guy. That's kind of your alternate, your insurance policy. And Yuri Perez is waiting in the wings. Jake Eater is a guy that already had the Tommy John surgery, dominated in double A. And you will get Max Meyer back in a year, right? And, and that's a guy that you'll be able to plug in eventually too. So with the way that they're able to develop pitching, I, I think it's a little bit of a, a pessimistic outlook by by Marlins, you know, Marlins fans and people on, around the team, which I, I think they've been as as beat down this offseason as they've been in a while, which is saying a lot. Um, what I will say though is I trust that that, I trust that a lot of these guys can can keep going the way they were going last year. I think Lazardo looked really good, made some adjustments. Cabrera looked really good, made some adjustments. And I, I think you got to roll the dice. I think that's really what it boils down to. And, and I trust that Yuri Perez can come up and be a mid-rotation starter by the middle of the year. And, and, and you're going to be kicking yourself if you didn't sell high on some of these other guys. But I think because of that gap, because of the risk there, I think the Marlins are asking for a lot to justify it because if they trade Pablo Lopez for a deal that, you know, maybe they, they get 70 cents on the dollar and then Lizardo's hurt or Cabrera's hurt. And all of a sudden we see Dan Castano in the rotation in, in June, people are going to really be, you know, ripping the Marlins for that too. So I, I think they're a little bit, you know, gun shy to, to, for lack of a better term. It's, it's kind of where I feel like the Orioles are with the hitters. And that is something we will get to coming up in a minute as we talk about how these two teams can pull off a trade. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by the NHTSA. Now picture this. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. And what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober. 
or get pulled over. Now we're back here with Arm Layton talking about Orioles and Marlins potential trades, a hitter for a pitcher. We've been thinking should happen and could happen for a while now. And Arm laid out kind of who the pitchers that are available are. And it, it could be everybody besides Sandy and, and Yuri Perez, as he talked about. But so here we are on, on the Orioles side of things. Now, they're obviously not looking to deal any of their pitchers, even their pitching prospects, really. But in terms of hitters, I think they're willing to deal some major leaguers. I think they're willing to deal some minor leaguers right now. And I had heard a little bit of rumblings that before the Mets, well, at least at this point, thought they had gotten Carlos Correa. We'll see how that works out. That once they thought the Giants had him and they felt like, okay, we need to, we can make a more minor upgrade. There were some little talks about like a David Peterson for Ramona Rios deal happening with the Mets and the Orioles. And I thought that was a deal that probably made sense for both teams. Arias is a guy, you know, Jorge Mateo, Ken Rosenthal writing in his column last week, the teams are calling about Mateo to play shortstop. I know the Marlins have Miguel Rojas, who's kind of a, a similar type player. They could potentially move, move jazz there, but maybe a guy that could help. Even a guy like Taron Vavra or Kyle Stowers, who don't really have a, a solidified role, but have been in the big leagues, could be moved. You know, for the right price, Anthony Santander or, or Austin Hayes could be moved. And then you have the prospects, you know, the Connor Norbys, the Jordan Westbergs, the Joey Ortizes could all be out there. So let me start first with kind of a big leaguer for big leaguer deal. I feel like Ramon Arias is kind of a perfect guy to get more of a mid-tier to back-end starting pitcher. Yeah. Is there a guy on the Marlins, you think, where a one-for-one one or an almost basically one-for-one one with Arias could happen? I think Braxton Garrett, man, and and I, I'm curious what it what. So I asked this question in the Just Baseball staff chat the other day because I, I'm I'm I've been too close to Braxton Garrett. It's like being too close to the sun. Where I remember him being drafted as a first rounder, watching him rise to the minors, seeming like a disappointment, ticking up a little bit in velo and adjusting his you know his pitch usage, and all of a sudden he comes up last year and makes 17 starts and pitches to a 3.58 ERA and struck out you know more than a batter per inning. Doesn't walk anybody. That's never been a problem. Uh, so I texted in our chat, like, is Braxton Garrett good? Like, I, I need I need a, a third party to to kind of talk to me about this one. Because normally I feel like I can can make a pretty good assessment on it, but he's been an interesting case. But what I will say is it's hard to deny those results. And you know, by good, we're just saying like, can he be a four or five? And I think he absolutely can, especially in Baltimore, um, where yeah, this is this is a guy that's not going to roll a ton of ground balls. He's a fly ball guy. He got better with the ground balls last year, but you know, I think he could really benefit from from pitching in that ballpark, especially in left field. I know Marlins Park's a great place to pitch too. Uh, and, and we saw how, how good his numbers were last season. So that's a guy that I think the Marlins could trade. And and if they want to put their best foot forward next year, technically speaking, you you keep that rotation intact. You make a between the margins move and Arias <laughs> would be one of their better bats and probably one of the more trusted bats right away and makes a difference. So uh, that, that seems like a no brain. I'm curious from your perspective, do, do you feel like Braxton Garrett is that much of an upgrade over a, you know, Dean Kramer or some of the others that you have in that rotation? Yeah, that's always the interesting part because I had kind of a similar conversation about different players with Ty Dan Gonzalez of Locked On Mariners. We kind of talked about maybe an O's M's trade because the beginning of the offseason, remember the Mariners were like, we're going to sign pitching. Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen are going to be available. Yeah. Well, they basically haven't signed anybody and now it feels like they're going to rely on those two guys. Yeah. But we still talked about like what it would take for the O's if they wanted to kind of sure up the back end of the rotation to get one of those guys. We talked about maybe Ramona Rios going there and, and one of those guys plus a prospect coming back. Because, you know, Arias is controlled through 2026, whereas those guys are closer to free agency. The thing that would make Garrett a little 
more equal to Arias is, you know, Pete's locked up for a while here. I mean, yeah. he's not a free agent until after 27, I believe, or, or maybe even 2028. Yeah, 20, 2029. So there's a guy where, you know, Ramon Arias after 2026, that feels like, well, you got a guy for a lot of years here. But if you're upgrading where you need to upgrade in terms of pitching, having a guy for basically seven more seasons at this point, plus, you know, you're looking at Ramon Arias and you're thinking, we like him. I mean, he's been a, an above league average hitter since the Orioles called him up in 2020. He just won the gold glove at third base. But the big issue with Arias is he just beats the ball into the ground. And he's in the top 50 in all of baseball and hard hit percentage every year. And when he hits the ball in the air, he could hit third in the Orioles lineup, but he just beats the ball. Now, he did double his launch angle this year. It was basically zero last year. So, <laughs> you know, he, he 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 got it better. He added, I think, five degrees eventually by the end of the year, but he's still hitting grounder after grounder. And yeah, those hard hit ground balls into left field for base hits are nice. But when he's driving the ball in the air, he is a dangerous hitter who has stayed generally healthy and plays a really good third and second base and can play shortstop as well. So he's a valuable player, but when you look behind him and you say, well, Jordan Westbrook hits the ball in the air and Joey Ortiz hits the ball in the air and Connor Norby hits the ball in the air and Joey Ortiz plays better defense and I think those other two guys could play maybe not Ramon Arias defense, but close enough to it where the bat is so much better oh, yeah. that I just think it makes sense for the O's to deal him. And again, you're getting Braxton Garrett for all those years. You, you can still mold him. I mean, you know, he's still in his mid-20s and, you know, 88 innings, a three five eight ERA – with stuff getting better, you're going to take that into this rotation. Now, is he going to be their ace? No. But could he win their five spot right now? Yes. And he could at least help the Orioles. And, and this is where I'll get pushback from Orioles fans that say, well, we don't need another four or five starter, which I understand. They signed Kyle Gibson. They have a bunch of threes and fours, basically, in their rotation right now. They need a guy who's going to take that next step. Would this trade help the Orioles and the Marlins? Yes, I think it would. But it's it's like that next step of, okay, the Orioles are better after they've made this trade. You know, they, they they make this deal. They call up Jordan Westberg, whatever it may be. They're now better. They still don't have the guy who you start on opening day yeah. and you say, hey, we got an opening day starter. Like, I get that John Means is out with Tommy John and you don't have that guy and that hurts. And maybe in 2024, Grayson Rodriguez is that guy. But your major league debut is not coming on opening day. And that is just way too I, much pressure to give. Anybody. I was joking about that on the, yeah. on the podcast before, too. I was like, man, you, you might have to see the, the first. I don't know when the last time a guy made his debut on opening day. But I was like, if anybody is the best candidate ever, it might be Grayson Rodriguez in this rotation. Yeah. I mean, right now, you probably you're giving it to Dean Kramer because yeah. means won't be ready till about June, probably. And you're not going to put that kind of pressure on Rodriguez. And the other thing is, you don't even want to put that pressure on Rodriguez to have like, you know, the home opener be, you know, the, the, the game he starts. So yeah. it's probably Dean Kramer just because in that rotation, he's had the best combo of stats last year and time with the Orioles. I mean, if you're not giving it to Kramer, you're giving it to Kyle Gibson which, you, you know, he's the highest paid pitcher and he started an opening day before, but I don't know if you want to start Kyle Gibson on opening day at this point. So those are kind of your your two options right now. So that kind of pushes me to, you know, that trade could maybe happen, but like, let's at least throw Pablo Lopez's name in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's what's the deal that that gets him? You know, I know people have said, oh, you know, maybe a Mullins for Lopez one for one flip would work. It seems like the Orioles are not interested in dealing Mullins right now. Would it yeah. take Colton Kowser? Would it take more prospects than big league hitters? Like, what what do you think it would take right now? So it's funny. I was thinking about this, man. And and 
I know you, I like a lot of the, you know, what you, your coverage on this as well and, and, and your thoughts on this. And I, I like literally whenever I have a, a free moment, I'm thinking, you know, why haven't we had a deal done? And and I think what you said really kind of like spurred a domino effect of thoughts in my mind last night. And I was like, I wonder how much Pablo's shoulder, even though he, he threw 180 innings last year, I wonder how much that is impacting teams. I'm not saying teams are offering them, you know, mid-level prospects and saying, take it or leave it. But I know the Marlins have an exorbitant asking price, which is understandable. Pablo is, you know, a proven guy. He's got two years of control and and also has all the intangibles. I mean, he instantly, you know, plugs into your, any clubhouse and becomes one of the favorites. I can I can attest to that. But I thought back to the Frankie Montes trade. And Montes is a guy with some shoulder concerns, but at the end of the day, threw 187 innings in 2021 and was looking pretty darn good in Oakland before the deal. Similar, you know, control as well. And we were all wondering, hey, why was that such a light return? You know, we were expecting a little bit more. And then what happens? He gets there and he's he's hurt, right? But it, the, the deal was Luis Medina, J.P. Sears, and Ken Waldachuk. Waldachuk, for, for us, I mean, at just baseball, was, was a you know top 100 prospect, no doubt. Medina, we know the upside he has. Cooper Bowman, also not a bad prospect either. But, I mean, it, it was a relatively light return, right? If we did that, comparatively speaking, that's, you know, Westberg, and then a couple guys that are nowhere near the top 100, more in the, you know, 18 to 20 range in an Orioles system. So I think the Marlins are expecting multiple top 100 guys or a big leaguer and a top 100 guy. And most teams just aren't willing to do that for somebody with a little bit of, of injury history here and somebody that, that let's be real, like fell off in the second half of the season a bit. I'm not worried about Pablo. I think you could pencil him in for at worst a high three ZRA and 150 to 180 innings. But again, you know, you only have so many resources. I know that the, the Orioles have more than most, but you miss on one trade here. Now you only have so many more resources to, to try and go upgrade your rotation elsewhere. So I think that's what's really holding them back. And I wonder who's willing to give. I think, I think we've got a good old like Texas standoff here because the Orioles are, are, I think, being smart with it and saying, hey, like, we're not just going to make the trade to make it, like you mentioned. But for the Marlins, they're kind of saying the same thing. Hey, pitching is a strength for us. If we're going to trade Pablo for what we see as 65, 70 cents on the dollar, maybe we'd rather not do it. Maybe we'd rather see what, what we can get for Trevor. So I think it's they're kind of floating Trevor back around now, too, maybe. And yeah, they, they've got to do their due diligence. I still think they make a trade, though. I really do. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, too, because. You know, the Orioles have shown they're not willing, at least right now, to give out multi-year deals. I mean, they haven't given one out under Mike Elias. They they have given out three one-year deals this offseason. They traded for James McCann, who's basically on a, on a two-year deal, but they're paying him $5 million over two years. Like, they're not yeah. willing to invest that kind of money in someone. And maybe because of what's going on with Orioles' ownership right now, it's a giant fight between the, the Angelos family. Are they worried that, like, Hey, the pitcher we want to get, we want to have around here for a while. And they're sitting there like, we're going to have to let Pablo Lopez walk after 2024. And while I think the Orioles are going to be a serious contender by then, maybe their target year is like, hey, we're going to be, you know, a competitive team next year. We're going to be a playoff team in 2024, and we're going to be ready to compete for the World Series in 2025. But We're not really going to pay guys. Now, you can argue that, well, if you're not willing to pay guys, you're probably not going to be a World Series contender, and I think that's totally fair. However, are they looking for more controllable guys than Pablo Lopez? And that's where I kind of wanted to end the conversation with Trevor Rogers because, yeah, they'd be selling low. You know, Rogers comes in off of just 107 innings and a 5-4-7 ERA after he was awesome 
in 2021 and was getting, you know, close to, you know, rookie of the year, most of the year. So my question becomes, is that the healthy medium here? And and what do you think the Marlins would want for him? Because it's so interesting because he's coming off a down year, but you've seen what the peak can look like and, and you yeah. could certainly get better at just 24 years old. It's just interesting give and take, right? You have a, a player who struggled last year, so that diminishes value, but has more control, so he gains that value back. And then lefty uh, with with a higher upside, I, I would venture to say, and and you know, just even shooting some texts around to, to people kind of around the situation, saying, you know, what's the what the vibe on Rogers? And and so far, what I've gotten is is. He more teams value him higher than you think after last year. Like a lot of teams see a pitcher that is, you know, one little mechanical tweak away from getting back to where he was. And again, he showed flashes last year. You know, I know the five, four, seven ERA looks bad. Four, three, six FIP is, is a little bit more indicative. I think he had some really good starts. And I mean, this is a guy that lefty, long, lanky fastball changeup combination that can be devastating. And, you know, when he's on, like you talk about a guy that, that, could end up being a, a frontline dude for you. I mean, what he did in his rookie season was frontline stuff, 264 ERA and 133 innings. Only reason he doesn't win the rookie of the year is India has a great year and he could probably have used another 20, 30 innings on his resume, right? Uh, you know, we saw with Strider versus Harris, kind of similar discussion there. So, you know, I, I think I think ultimately Trevor Rogers has more value. And I don't know if that makes it less likely or more likely for the Orioles to do it because I feel I have this sense that the Orioles and the Marlins both have this fear of 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 messing up. I can see like with Kim Ang, you know, the the Jacob Stallings deal doesn't didn't go well. Um, I, she was overqualified, I think, by the time she got the job. Like that, that's she should have been a GM a long time ago. But then got thrown into a horrible situation where she couldn't even be the GM because Derek Jeter was micromanaging everything. Then Jeter's out, and it's like, okay, Kim, take the reins now. And it, 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 I think she's just a little bit skittish here. So. I think it's got to be the Orioles coming in and saying like, Hey, we're, we're ready to make a move here. And I wonder who the Orioles are willing to part with, because every time I think about it, I could talk myself into, no, I wouldn't part with that guy. No, I wouldn't part with that guy. No, I wouldn't part with that guy. And ultimately I think Rogers is, is the the most, I think the best middle ground. And if Westberg and, and a few others are involved, that's where I want to hear what, what you're thinking, because would you rather have Rogers or Pablo and, for whoever that you'd rather have, what, what's the, what's the players that you're willing to give up in a deal like that? I think I've seen Pablo Lopez look better at times. I think people would maybe think Lopez is better than Rogers right now, but I, it's tough to evaluate because, you know, for example, I want the Orioles to give up whatever it takes to get Corbin Burns. Like if he's available, go do it. But the way the Orioles are currently operating are they going to extend Corbin Burns? That's I don't think so. And while Corbin Burns for the next two years would make the Orioles a lot better and would probably, I think, help them get into the postseason one of these next two seasons, is, you know, that it brings you back, like, is Rodgers more valuable to the Orioles than Lopez is? Because Trevor Rodgers is locked up for many years down the line, whereas Lopez, again, is going to be a free agent after 2024. And while he wouldn't cost... Corbin Burns money to extend the Orioles aren't even giving out multi-year contracts and Trevor Rogers is signed through 2026. So if the Orioles were to go get him, I think, although he maybe, you know, wouldn't be a guy you'd start on opening day this year, where I think you could do that with Pablo Lopez. If you got him, 
maybe he makes more sense for the Orioles down the line. And I'm just concerned that they're not going to spend until a new ownership group comes in. And it's kind of warping the way I think about any of these potential trades right now. So if it takes giving up Jordan Westberg and a couple more prospects, or if it takes giving up an, a Ramona Rios or even a, a Jorge Mateo or a, you know, a, a Kyle Stowers, or even if the Marlins really wanted Anthony Santander or something like that, I could see a deal happening. I just, I almost feel like they're going to look for more guys like a Rogers, but in terms of talent, Lopez is better, I think right now, but in terms of trade value, teams are going to value guys more that have those many more years of, you know, not even hitting arbitration yet and, and being locked up for so many more years. It takes a lot to get starting pitchers who are controlled for four or five years. Like those trades don't happen a lot. So it's going to take a lot. And that's the thing is, is how often are you getting a lefty, you know, who is available on the trade market with with this much control, right? That free agent in 2027. When he hits arbitration, Pablo Lopez will be a free agent, right? Like yeah. that puts in perspective the relative control here. So, yeah. and again, ju- like literally just turned 25 years old a month ago. So this is an opportunity here where you could be buying well. I know you're still going to have to pay a pretty penny, but – if he's a number three for you, I think he could be you know better than that. But like median outcome, I think he could settle back into being a, a number three type starter. If he's that for you with the control that he has, you're not blinking about what you gave up, no matter how good Jordan Westberg becomes or, or whatever it may be. My question for you, because this is something that Marlins fans have continued to ask me, is like, who from the Orioles is available, right? Like who, and I don't, available is, 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 you know, a loose word, but in terms of just, there's some non-starters for me, I think Cedric Mullins is not going anywhere, right? Like that's, that's only, he's only going somewhere if it's, if it's Corbin Burns and, and the Brewers, I don't even think would want to do that because they're, they're pretty set in the outfield. So they would probably look elsewhere. Like I'm looking at Kyle Stowers, Santander of, of those types. uh, And of course, Mateo, who I think is probably the most available, but do you think the Orioles would really part with Santander? Um, is that a guy that they'd be willing to part with? Because at first I used to say no, because, hey, they want to put their best foot forward in 2023. But now I'm seeing less urgency for 2023. And I wonder if they can trade this guy who they're probably not going to sign. You know, they're probably not going to pay in this offseason. If he can be part of the package that helps you keep some prospects, you're still going to have to add some. But if it can help you keep a Norby and turn that Norby into somebody else or, you know, turn a, a higher level prospect into somebody else. Uh, that's a little bit below him. You might consider doing that if you know you're not going to pay this guy. Yeah, for Santander, I mean, he he's signed through 2024 right now. So you have two years left on the deal. I just, I don't know where they stand. I mean, he had a great year, led the team at homers, hit in the middle of the order, showed power from both sides of the plate. The defense is going downwards. You know, he he's he's more of a DH who plays some corner outfield now versus a corner outfielder who DHs for you some. Um, so that's losing value a little bit. He finally stayed healthy for a full season for the first time this year, which is good that that matched up with his best season on the field. That tells you like, if we can keep this guy healthy, he can be an impact player. But I, I agree with you. You know, it doesn't seem like they're going for 23 as much. And if you're going more for 24, well, that's Santander's final year. And if they're operating like the Rays, which I hope they're not, but if they are, that's when you start thinking about trading guys who aren't, you know, superstars. Like Santander's not a superstar. He's just a good player. And so I think he's available. I think Stowers is available. I think really the only guys who are unavailable is obviously Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson. And then you're looking at, I don't think the O's are going to trade the top two pitchers, Rodriguez or Hall right now, because they're looking for pitching. So they're not going to trade those guys away. 
And other than that, like I obviously don't really see them like dealing Jackson Holiday right now. But behind those guys, you know, Westberg, even Kowser, I mean, for the right deal could happen, especially if they're keeping Cedric Mullins and maybe looking to extend him, you know, the, a cheaper long-term deal. Like obviously Westberg, I, I think Connor Norby, you know, Joey Ortiz is, is shooting up prospect lists. I think he definitely could be available this offseason as well. Awesome so a, yeah, a lot of those guys, and even, you know, on the major league team, I think Mateo's available. Arias is available. I mentioned Vavra and Stowers. I think those guys are available. So, you know, Austin Hayes, even Santander, those guys are available, you know, for the right deal. So I think the Orioles are still somewhat open for business. They're just not selling anymore, but they're listening on a lot of guys. And so if it took a big leaguer and a prospect or two to get Rogers, do it because he's got upside and he's, you know, you get him for, for four years. Let me, let me ask you this. Would you do Santander and Westberg? For and maybe like a, a third, third, you know, lower level guy for for Trevor Rogers. See, I would do it. I think Orioles fans would scoff at that. And the thing is, oh, they I, would they scoff rip me on Twitter. They would well, scoff at the Jordan Westberg of it. I would yeah. scoff more at the Santander of it. But I think Orioles fans would scoff at the Westberg of it. I think the emergence of Joey Ortiz and what he can do with the glove. Um, and then, of course, now you have Jackson Holiday, who's who's far off, admittedly so. But that's just another guy in, in the hierarchy here. Um, you can afford to trade a Westberg. You know, I, I really think and I love Westberg, but he's, you know, that's a guy that with what you're seeing from Ortiz, a more true shortstop. Um, and with, even with what Mateo did last year, like you got to trade one of these guys. right? How are they all even going to fit in? Um, even Kobe Mayo coming up to who I think is, is one of my favorite breakout prospects for next year, Kobe Mayo, by the way. So I think that that's a trade that, yeah, if you look at it in a vacuum, it, it hurts a little bit, but if you look at how it affects your long-term outlook, it, it, you're trading from a surplus. And I look at what, what the deal, the Diamondbacks and the Blue Jays just cooked up, right? You were never going to get a hundred percent of the value of Gabriel Moreno, right? It's just, it's just too hard. A catcher that's a top 10 prospect in baseball, not going to happen. But you're also rarely going to get the opportunity to acquire a player like Dalton Varsho. So sometimes you got to just take the L, quote unquote, because it's not an L. You added a really good player um, and and maybe not quite match up the values perfectly, but still get make your team better and, and feel pretty good about it. Yeah, you got to make the team better. And especially in the Orioles infield, there's just not enough space for all these guys. And whether it's trading away like Mateo and Arias now, to give more at-bats to the younger guys, or it's keeping those guys around for a year or two more and trading away Ortiz and Westberg now. Like, you have to do something because you can't just let these guys kind of sit and then on the bench and then waste away to arbitration and free agency. Like, you have to maximize the value now to get some pitching because they they, they it's a good point. It's a good way to end. They, they can't all play, and it feels like, just like the Marlins starting pitchers, they can't all pitch um, in the same rotation. So at some point, a deal is going to have to be made. But Aram, thank you so much for joining us once again to talk these trades. I am almost certain that probably even before opening day, we will have you back on to uh, do some of the same discussion again, but uh, happy new year to you. And thank you again for coming on. Thanks so much. I would love to do it. Hopefully we'll be talking about a trade that was actually made, uh, but also really excited about the stuff we're putting out at just baseball.com with the uh, Orioles system, which is man, it's really, really good. So uh, looking forward to talking to you, hopefully after a deal is made. Yeah, we got, we got exciting stuff over here in, in Baltimore as well. But that'll do it for this episode of the pod. We thank Arm Leighton again for coming on. That'll do it for this week and this year, 2022, on the Locked On Orioles podcast. We'll be back with you on Monday. That'll be 2023 here on the pod. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
every day.